0: So that's why I'd say to anybody who is struggling and anybody in early recovery, I always say it is painful. I'm not going to lie. It would be wrong to say it's not painful. But the pain of addiction is a dirty, rotten pain, which carries on and on mm-hmm. and on and like a hamster wheel, but goes down. The pain of recovery, you, it's like a clean pain. You work through it. You, you know, it's you work through it and you come through and things happen and you start feeling life on life's terms and, and feeling things in the present and... In recovery it's not that you don't have pain anymore but you live in the reality unless you choose to then to pick up something and it doesn't have to be a drink, or drink. it could be a behavior you know mm. to change the way you feel
1: i love that description of the spiral that you say it's like it's it's pain but it's going upwards and out into something better instead of going downwards and just yes. continuing and es- escalating yes You are listening to Meditation Jam with Maria Rine, and this is a pod with Igniting Energy Meditations designed to connect you with your own beautiful inner wisdom that I like to call your pure heart. That infinite wise part of you that is connecting to all but also comes with its own journey, its own challenges and when we connect to This pure heart energy through the igniting meditations, it bypasses all these and goes straight to your core so that you can open up and hear, feel, accept and have fun with your beautiful self. And I see the energy as a key that unlocks parts of us. And I will also invite guests to speak about their work, experiences, journeys and listen to their wisdom. So before we start, I would also like to just put out a little warning that please don't be driving while listening to the meditation or doing something that demands your full attention. Because I know that for some, this energy can put you into a deep relaxation, almost like sleep. So please, no driving. (laughs) Okay, so warm welcome and let's start this meditation jam. Welcome to today's episode and I'm really happy to share this talk with you all where we are going to talk with today's guest about celebrating life, we are going to talk about tough subjects, addiction and recovery and we are talking to artist and drug and addiction therapist Anita Kjellemar. And Anita was one of the front female figures in the 80s rock scene. She has been a dancer with Leg and Co. on top of the pops. Uh, She has danced on the theater scene in the West End in London. She has been part of the group Toto Coelho. She has been part of the group uh, The Cherry Bombs. She has acted and she has been a presenter on Sky Channel. And then something happened that turned her life that we are going to talk about. And I'm so happy to have Anita with us today because she is filled with wisdom and experiences and some rock and roll stories as well. <laughs> and after the talk, we will go straight into an igniting energy meditation. And today we are tuning in to an energy helping us to clear our mind, our emotions ignite our hearts, communication with our minds so that we can move through life with acceptance and trust. And I hope you will enjoy it. And now I say welcome to Anita. Warm welcome, Anita. I am so happy to have you join today. How are you?
0: Oh, well, this is so wonderful seeing you, and I'm so happy to be here. And it's just lovely to talk to you. Thank you for asking. Thank
1: you. Yeah, and thank you. You also
0: truly look amazing. Thank you. <laughs> so, how is London in autumn? Because you're situated in London, right? Yes. Oh gosh, that's a really good question. I sort of feel at the moment I'm sort of just going from home to work to site to site. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So London, London in autumn, it's sunny today. It's getting a little bit colder. Hmm. but it's um but yes we had that huge event we did actually I did actually go into London last week and went to the place where the floral tributes for oh, the Queen yeah. oh it was so moving it was yeah. so beautiful myself and my husband went in and we walked through from Green Park right through up until Queen Elizabeth Gate and stopped and had a coffee and and, sat, and it was just a really incredible it was an incredible experience actually I was yeah. very very moved by it
1: I was in London when they buried Princess I, uh, Diane I and I remember the vibe in London, it was so warm and open and quiet and still. So I can totally get now with this as well, that it's beautiful in a way, even though it's sad.
0: It was beautiful. I mean, and, and with Princess Diane, I remember it was just this outpouring of emotion. It almost gave, I felt the country was given permission to grieve because of her. Yeah. And I think a lot of people's grief Oh, a lot of things, apart from Diana, came up, and with the Queen, it was, it was similar, but it was different. There was a very stately silence. You use the word silence. Mm. There was a sort of a stately silence, but charged with emotion. You could feel it, and it was just so beautiful because it, it felt like everybody was there for the for a healthy reason, for a loving yeah. reason, yeah. and a respectful reason. She she really did sort of. She didn't command. It wasn't she commanded it. She didn't command it, but she really extracted without realizing a lot of respect from people and you, I could really feel that when I was there so yeah. it, it's London in autumn it's been I was in Italy before then that I came back that I went in but it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful day it's really lovely actually yeah lovely
1: so let's start because you have a, such a wide spread on your plate what you have been doing so just let's start from the beginning you started as a dancer yes
0: I fell into that actually. Okay. I um I I come from Newcastle and yeah. originally and I came down to live with my mother in London. And during the school holidays, my mother was a designer and a friend at the top of the road, His daughter was a ballet dancer, and this lady was looking after me. Um, during the summer holidays and I went with her daughter because she was a ballet dancer to the ballet school they allowed me to go and I'd always loved dancing about 12 years old I remember dancing to Elton John's first album just dancing around my flat freely I loved movement and then I went to her dancing school and then realized I loved it but the type of work I loved doing the dancing I loved doing I didn't have the strength or the technique to support so I, I stayed on yeah. And I started quite late, actually, because I started 11, 12 years old. I did two lessons when I was about four, but apparently I didn't like the tights and I didn't like being <laughs> that so I, still, I didn't want to do it. But um, I, yeah, and from there, it's sort of like my passion for movement and moving and freedom and creating and expressing came. It was Mordwell School of Dancing in East Ham. And um, Miss Hester was the teacher who encouraged me so when I left school because I went through a really tough school I was really um anyone listening out there children's do what you need to do at school I rebelled oh, okay. there was a lot there was a lot going on <laughs> and I rebelled and um, I thought what am I going to do what? and so Miss Hester said why don't you come and train with us the same school and I did a, a year there then I auditioned for the London School of Contemporary Dance and got into that and became a dancer and then i left to do my first job which was bubbling brown sugar and in fact the director of that charles organs he's a black american it was a, a show all about the facts you know the harlem renaissance okay and it was it was my first job in the west end theater wow and i got wow. my equity. it was amazing yeah and he he in october has been given in london a lifetime achievement black lifetime achievement award Oh, and because okay. of the work he's done. He's an amazing director and choreographer. So yeah, I that was my first job. And then I went into the King and I in the West End at the Palladium deal Brenner. And then I did the touring company, Plans People. Then I auditioned for Legs and Co on Top of the pops It was my best friend, sort of like she's like my sister Lynette, yeah who was at the audition and she rang me and said, Anita, there's an audition going on. I think you should be it. She was so generous. What a generous, generous. Thing to do she was at the audition auditioning herself but she felt it was really right for me yeah so she rang me and I gate crashed the audition and I got it they were out of legs and co on top of the pops and um Pauline Peters was leaving and they auditioned and there was like a thousand girls auditioned
1: wow and I was
0: very blessed to get it and yeah. and, and did that in 1981 I loved it and
1: uh, it sounds like it's just from the beginning with the dancing you just went straight into all these beautiful uh, things to do. And Top of the Pops, I mean, that was the
0: thing at this time, right? Oh, my goodness. It was incredible. It yeah. Was, I couldn't, I was like pinching myself. I couldn't yeah. believe it because I'd grown up watching Top of the Pops because it was before we had all these the media channels, MTV, and, and yeah. all the different channels. It was, it was Thursday night, Top of the Pops. That was the music. <laughs> so to be part of that was just... Oh, I was so blessed. I felt so privileged, Mm. so, you know, really, really excited.
1: That's such a beautiful way to take it as well and not just feel like you should be there, but really feel blessed. And I think that creates also everything that comes with that.
0: Ah, yes. Yeah, yes. I, I, yeah, I I agree. Actually, it Mm. really was. It was because I, I was so, well, I was was a bit in awe of doing it, if I'm honest, really. Mm. Yeah. Because I'm going, wow, you know, I'd <laughs> looked at these girls that were there already, Sue and, and Better Heart, Patty, Most Beautiful Dance, She Died This Year, and Lulu and Rosie and Jill. And I looked at them and they were just so amazing. And I was part of it. How lucky was I, yeah. you know? <laughs> and talented of and tal- yes i did have yes talent. i did yeah. have, i did have talent that did help to get there. yeah <laughs> you need a bit of that stuff yeah
1: but then you start to get into the music side how, how did that come about with
0: the first well my life has always been when i look at it i've never really planned my life. <laughs> and that the pros and cons of that are the pros are i've had an incredible life yeah and sort of like done so many different diverse things cons are sometimes like, I've got friends who are really really sort of like focused and driven and I really admire that I always say mm. some of it rub off on me please but yeah the singing I, I sort of had this urge to want to sing and I've done a little bit at school you know like when i in your senior school going into like different um, competitions and stuff for the school but I really wanted to sing and. What happened was the lady in, in um, Jackie Thomas, who was the manager of Tonto the first manager, she, well, she, yeah, the main manager, really. She um, had seen me in Bubbling Brown Sugar and she first of all put me in a group with Clark Peters, who's an amazing actor and performance say, and director, yeah. and his wife and me. And we did a group called, oh, gosh, what were we called? The single was Boogie Airlines and they used it for the Persuaders in Italy. And so she'd seen me in Bummer Brown, Sugar and approached me about doing this group. And then from there, I did Legs & Co. And then she said there's a group she was managing. And she thought I'd be really sort of like suited for it. Well, at the time, Legs & Co. had finished On Top of the pops, and we were touring. And I sort of felt loyal to the group and wanted to be with the group. So I didn't go initially. And then Roz sister was in the group she left to do a solo career and there was an opportunity and I said well I'd like to and then I auditioned for it and then I got it so it was something I knew I wanted to sing I didn't know how or what I was going to do how I was yeah. going to do that but um and then I got into the group and it was amazing we used to rehearse in Ballam and Sheen Duran was the the founder of the group and then there was Ross Holness, Lacey Bond, Lindsay Danless, incredible talents all of them and we rehearsed and then we supported rose royce on tour the, the group and we were meant to be signed to trevor horn and we went in and recorded a song called mirror mirror which dollar recorded and released and it wasn't really us and then in between all of that we were radial choice simon lay came and saw us at the hammersmith odeon and offered us a deal straight away and wow. to go in the studio and do everything. And we did that. And that's how I eat cannibals came out. Oh uh, wow. <laughs> and it was in Sweden we got a gold record.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if you are in my age, and I'm sure after as well, you've danced and rocked and heard that. <laughs> uh, and it was
0: just and it was it was just we had a real fun time, unfortunately we got ripped off financially. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Hey-ho. Mm. Um, but um, I had a great time. and uh, We had such a... Uh, we really did have a good time. And it was so funny because our costu- initial costumes were bin bags. And oh, so we made our own... We would make our own bin bags up just before the show <laughs> we'd be together. And because <laughs> I was a part... A punky sort of person, so mine was great. It was so easy, I just rip things. yeah. <laughs> Whereas other people's when they had corsets out of bin bags making it, you know, we had, we had a lot of fun, and I've made and I'm still in contact with those lovely women, as yeah. Well. But then,
1: then you changed to another group. Did that come just like uh, smoothly, or was it like a
0: uh, space between? Or well, <laughs> I know when I look back, it just makes me smile, yeah, at, at, at the journey I've been on. I've always loved rock. I've mm-hmm. always loved rock and blues, always. And I love reggae. Too. I mean, I love all music, but I was always drawn. My, my earliest memories growing up were my mum dancing to Satisfaction and Jimi Hendrix. So these are my earliest memories. So, rock and my father loved jazz and blues. So, I think I was very influenced by my parents' choice of music. And when I was coming back with Totiquillo, I think we were coming back from Sweden actually mm-hmm. on the plane. And we ended up sitting in the middle of Hanoi Rocks. So well, I didn't know who they were. Yeah, And, you know, it was before I got sober, and Razzle was pouring brandy into my coffee. I didn't realise I was doing that at that point. You know, it was eight in the morning and they were, all, we're all just having, uh, having fun, just to laugh. And then with Toto Coella, I got to a point where I really, I wanted to try and write. We yeah. were writing. We started writing. And what was really sad about the group was there was a lot of creativity in the group. And when the, the record company took it, there was things they said we would be able to do afterwards. And of course, they they didn't let that happen. Yeah. And so the creativity was sort of, you know, there was things that would, they did it their way, basically. So I got to a point where I sort of wanted to expand and I left the group and because of that link in the airport uh, on that plane journey. The producer of one of the Tote Koala videos had said to me, I think there's someone you should work with. And it was Andy McCoy. And I thought, isn't that a weird? That's a sort of yeah. a really weird link. So he contacted him and we started writing together. And, and it was originally for to try and get a solo deal for myself. And through that, then the awful, awful tragedy about Razzle being killed. And then Mike left the band. And then there was like there was nasty, there was, you know, Jan, Jan, he's called now, you know, Terry and Andy. And then Andy talked about Timo being in the band and said you and, and then said to me, do you want to do a, a band? So we used the songs we co-written ah. and use them for the Cherry Bombs. I mean, yeah. we did some Hanoi stuff as well, but like House of Ecstasy, Declaration, which was used on uh, Nasty and, and Andy, like Andy and myself co-wrote and Feline Feeling and things. So we used the material that I was originally going to be trying to get a solo deal with. Oh, good. Yeah. Band, as well as... Material that Andy had, and and using Hanoi songs as well, and cover um, traveling band, um, Hot Girls and Love Rather. So, yeah, that's how. So all of a sudden, I ended up, in yeah. And it was just so. it yeah. When I look back, it's actually, it's, it sort of felt like a natural progression. Even though yeah. people were going to me in interviews, how did you end up in this band? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because they were talking to me about people. Because I went to watch the band Hanoi Rocks before we did the cherry bombs because yeah. I hadn't heard of them because I was moving in very different circles. Because yeah. even though I loved rock music, I didn't know of Hanoi. And so I went to watch watch one of their gigs and I went, oh my goodness, there's so many people. They were queuing around the Lyceum. It was huge. You know, it was just interesting because a lot of the interviews I do as well, people would ask me things. And I honestly didn't know some of the questions yeah. they were asking me <laughs> because I sort of entered into a world I had, did not have a knowledge about really, yeah, but I just knew I loved the music and I knew I loved performing, so that's all I ever really you know I, I wasn't um that's what took always led me what I felt that's a good guide, it's a good guide, yes. what you love, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, and the, and you
1: toured, of course, with this all over in the states or with the sherry bombs you were touring yes, yeah.
0: We toured, we toured all over Europe, we toured to America, we supported Poison in America. We, uh, unfortunately, because it was, I think because it was so intense, the touring, Yeah. and we were quite, you know, I I don't know if it was Terry, but somebody we said bands live out their name. And we were called the Cherry Bombs, which is an explosion. And I think, I think what happened was that there was such an intense energy because we were quite strong characters as well. And it did explode, really. And and it got to and it was really sad in a way when I look back because we got to New York and we were you know we had all the record companies from the ten week tour we'd done and Electra wanted to sign us and Andy and myself left the band we did Reading we came back to England did the Reading Festival the sad thing when I look back at that it was at a point where we were actually about to just probably move into the next level of success with the band. But at that point, and this isn't blaming anybody because it was where my head was at, really, my head was not in a good place. I think for my mental health, my friend always says to me, you always come back to base. There's something in you that takes you back to base, Mm. meaning that back to that safe place. And I think my safe place was I left. When I look back, it's not about the others. It was where my head was at, really.
1: And is it between this time that you also become uh, Sky, the television Sky presenter.
0: presenter? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sky channel. Is that between well, or in at the same time? Or So just before we went on the American tour, Gail Claydon, who was the producer at Sky, and it was in the first five years, I was interviewed as the Cherry Bombs, and Mick Wall interviewed me, and he was lovely. And um, he said, there's an opportunity for a presenter. Are you interested? I said, well, actually... I'd love to, but I'm going on tour with the band and that's my thing. But of course, after that tour, we'd sort of exploded and I'd left the band and I rang her and they then had um, got a lady who was very known over here as a presenter called Anthea Turner. She then took, had obviously got that job. So I spoke to Gail and I said, look, I'm back. And And she actually took me on, hired me. And so I did... With Gary Davis, who is who did at the top of the pops, he was a very known radio and um, DJ as well. He and myself did the first ever World Music Video Awards that went oh, out. Wow! Yeah, yeah, it went out live, <laughs> and the autocue, and and it all broke, and I had to waffle. I, to this day, I don't know what I said, <laughs> but it was scary. But I remember Samantha Fox was the artist, and Bob Geldof. And the boom time it was on and it's so weird because a friend of mine um, zara phillips she does a lot of music and acting and writing and, and one woman she just a lot of things very talented he was the backing singer for bob geldov and i was a presenter and then in recovery when we i, I met her when i got sober yeah and we remembered we met each other we didn't know each other it was so amazing
1: really amazing and that really takes us in because you're living now the rock and roll what you everyone thinks is rock and roll with alcohol and drugs and, and everything but then there is like this turning point where you want to get
0: sober oh my goodness it was it was yes I'm so grateful I am. I mean, it got to a place where Sky, I sang their fifth year anniversary song. I was doing, um, presenting live show, had did loads of shows on Sky and it was amazing. And then Sky sort of were closing that channel down. And, you know, it was at a time when I can really look back and they were letting go of people. Yeah. And I was in a place at that point, my addiction had really started to take up. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't drunk on set. But my decisions, the belligerence, you know, I could feel my the fear base of, of addiction. It's a fear based illness and I could feel that yeah. was really rising. And my attitude was not it was becoming quite belligerent, but it was at the same time. I loved what I did, but yeah. I was getting into a place. So when that ended, because they ended up they closed down Sky Tracks, And when that closed and, and I think I was one of the first presenters to actually go because we all went quite you know, and and I can now look back and I can see, because they were saying to me, go and get these deals with these shops and these brands. And I was going, no, I'm I'm doing me. You know, I was very, I became very rigid in my mm-hmm. thinking, very, and, you know, I can see it was the addiction, the mental side of the addiction was taking over. And when I, um, my contract finished with Sky, and I thought, what am I going to do? And I, I honestly didn't know. And by then the addiction has really taken over and I was lost i was absolutely lost i was sitting there going i don't know what to do i don't know i was just frozen in fear and um i reached out for help and i got the help and my life turned around and it was really but in the first year i was um it was really scared when i look back because i i was you know getting help for my addiction and i wasn't you know, I'd been, had my own show on Sky for quite a while for a long time, different shows. And all of a sudden I had no money. I was in court for my taxes that I hadn't paid. Yeah. I was, you know, there was all sorts of things happening and I had to start working <laughs> because I had to pay the bills. Yeah. So I wasn't having cars picking me up and taking me and yeah. I wasn't living mean, this life. And all of a sudden I'm going along to, um, in where I lived in Kensal Rise, it was a health shop. They were a lovely couple. And they had a signed photo of me on the wall and I went to them for a job and I helped behind the cashier serving people. And when anybody came in, I'd go running out the back if I knew them. And I thought (laughs) I'd always said we are all equal. But but all of a sudden I realized I struggled. My pride was quite, (laughs) you know, because all of a sudden I was like doing stuff. I was going, I shouldn't be doing this, but I was doing it. It was actually the best thing for me. I can yeah. look back now and think it really got me down to earth it was yeah. hard and mm. then I went to work at a place called the London Lighthouse which was an um, absolutely amazing oasis of a place with when HIV and AIDS hit Princess Diana used to come in there and I went into and I was clean I was cleaning because I, yeah. I had no qualifications and I remember I was in there and I got the name changed to residential unit assistant (laughs) because (laughs) in all fairness we did do more than just clean we made little meals and we sat with people but yeah you know it was my you know when I look back it was very grandiose but the place was amazing because back in those days in the early 90s people weren't accepting of people with HIV needs and it was amazing like Elton John dedicated his all his money from sacrifice there was hockneys on the wall and it was the most incredible place to work tragic place because people were dying all the time yeah but in that place even though I thought god I can't believe I'm I'm, I'm not performing anymore and I tried to, I got a band together I tried but it just at, at that point getting sober I couldn't cope I yeah could not cope so I just needed to earn money to pay my bills and by going and this is why I believe what's you know I believe I've got a higher power and I believe I'm guided yeah and if I'm open to it and I thought that was the worst thing in the world to have to be doing cleaning work and all but actually in that place Mm. it was so incredibly the experience I had there and also they ended up paying a third of my counselling qualification. So that's how I ended up because one of the people there, I, yeah. I mean initially there was training at the London Lighthouse. And I just wanted to do the training to get away from the work. I hated the work. Yeah. <laughs> I I loved the place. I love the people, but I hated yeah. the work. So let me go and train. And by doing the training, they ended up letting me go on a, a counselling of course. With all the counselors, don't ask me how they let me do that. (laughs) And I ended up going, This is amazing, because it was the only other thing apart from performing that really grabbed me. Yeah. Because I'm very curious about people and I I love people and I I love trying to understand processes and, and why people do things and why I do things. And it captivated me. It really, I was captivated. From there, I started doing my counseling training. I qualified in 98 I should have qualified a year or two earlier but what happened was I was so scared about going to do the work yeah I ended up not doing any you have to do all your voluntary hours in order to get your to pass um I was scared to be let loose on people initially (laughs) because I was really nervous so I ended up not doing my voluntary hours till I'd done all my All my academic part, I should have qualified a year or two. I can't remember earlier, but I ended up qualifying much later because I did the voluntary hours after, uh, you know, at the end of my course, not at the beginning. So in 98, I actually qualified, I started working as a voluntary counsellor in 1997 for the Drug and Alcohol Foundation. And I was also being paid as an educator to go into schools and yeah. work with young people. And then in 98, I qualified. And then I was working with um, in treatment centres, women treatment centres. I worked in a male treatment centre using my drama skills as, and mixing that oh, with recovery. Yeah. And then I started working in residential and, and day treatment programmes with addicts and also families. and people affected by it and also I was doing stuff at at the lighthouse they also had encouraged me it was amazing that place because they offered me to do the um, drama workshop there and so I had I was not a trained drama therapist so I wasn't going to do that so but I contacted the lady I used to go to for classes and she did and she came and she we worked together and we worked a program for people affected by HIV and AIDS through drama. There was opportunities that happened that I didn't plan, but they were given to me and I would go, oh, how am I going to do? Okay, right. Yeah. And and so I sort of lurched into things, but in a way, you know, it's felt felt very natural and quite organic, really. But
1: I think because listening to you, I can hear you. I mean, you are so responsive to your bodies or your hearts or whatever your soul, whatever you want to call it, guidance. And it's like you take it and run with it and then we can think after wow was that the right or wrong decision but in the moment you follow it and it always ends up being the right decision in a way when you follow your heart I think but I also want to say because you said you you felt that in when you started your recovery you you felt you needed help and I think that is so important that you actually asked for help because I think there are a lot of people who You know you're out out on the deep end with your addiction, whatever it might be, but you're too scared or too, you don't want to show your colors or, you know, so, I mean, it's so amazing that you ask for help.
0: I feel very blessed that I had that, what they call in recovery, that moment of clarity Mm -hmm. where I saw the reality of what I was, where I was. And I'm grateful that I did reach out for help at that point because the illness of addiction sort of tells you you haven't got it. and it's a bit illness of perception and quite often you know with with addiction as it progresses going from you know that there's a lovely set i mean people won't see this because i'm doing it with my hands but it start the say the right hand and the left hand start equally and one side is the addict and the other side's the healthy self yeah the addict takes the the drink of the drug and the healthy self initially enjoys mood change oh this is good but then the addict takes more and its consequences and the healthy self, which is like the conscience goes, Oh no, we need to stop that. We need to stop. Oh gosh, the shame, there's feelings around it. The addict continues. And in yeah. the end, the addict knocks the healthy self till the healthy self is so far down. And, it, and at the very end, the addict is ruling. And that's and that sense of isolated in the addict mind, not connected to others humans. Mm-hmm. And when those moments, come up where you are aware of the remorse or aware of what's happened the shame is so engulfing you just want to reach out and change the way you feel so when loved ones and family members say you know it's as if you don't care for me when an addict is an act of addiction you're looking at the person you think you love but you're actually looking at the addict yeah and they don't and the only thing the addict really cares about is how am I going to get my next whatever it is whether it's a drink a drug whether it's sex whether it's gambling whether it's shopping whatever it is mm. and so what that's I always say with family members because I now do yeah, I worked at the Priory and I, I was doing the trauma lead at the Priory and doing also some of the trauma workshops there and being trained in the peer melody the pit model which is an incredible model but also I did DBT what I did the family group sorry I'm going off on the kilter here but I did the family group <laughs> And, and continue to work with families, uh, family groups um, now, as well in the private practice. And what I would say, you know, we say the three C's you didn't cause it, you can't control it, and you can't cure it. Yeah. And it's really important for loved ones to know that mm. until the addict wants to get well, there's, you, there's you're powerless. You're powerless. Mm. And what ha- tends to happen is the addict is focusing on their substance or their behavior or whatever it is. And then the family members and the loved ones focus on the addict. So they become equally addicted. So the addictive process just, uh, you know, sort of just keeps going into a hamster wheel. So it's about how do you detach with love? To love the person, but hate the illness. That's the bit, you know, and yes, for me, I was very blessed because I think I was very blessed. The lady who was my, um, who really helped me a lot, she... She died this year. And so, you know, I'm 34 years sober and she was there from the beginning till this year. And so that was huge. But at the same time, it was there's other people who've helped me along the way. And it's so important. I just want to say for anyone out there who is in the throes of addiction. Mm. It is a day at a time, but there is always there is a way out. You can, you know, you can really there is a way out. And it's about reaching out and in the height of addiction, the last thing you really want to do is reach out. Yeah. And so it's forcing yourself to do something you might emotionally and mentally not want to do because we tend to go to the head for the, to, for the answer, but with an addict, you're, addi- your illness losing your head. So you're going to the problem for the solution, if, if that makes sense. Um, so yes, I just, I was very blessed because I went and I threw myself in because at that point, I think this is another thing, you know, you know, i would had this career mm. and at that point, you know, Steven Spielberg wasn't knocking on my door or, you know, sort of like this amazing <laughs> pro- rock producer wasn't saying, hey, we need you. So I was sort of left with me and I had no money. I was in court for tax, <laughs> for not paying taxes, which I mean, some of it took me nine years to pay off and I had nothing to do. And so I went and I was threw myself into reco- into recovering from addiction and so every-
1: yeah so really maybe if I mean if you had th- this breaking point hadn't come maybe you have continued and continued the addiction as well you don't know
0: you just don't I mean I think yeah. I was very bad because I I didn't get it straight away for six yeah. weeks I, I sort of fought it mm-hmm. and I kept trying to do it my way and it was you know what I'd say to anyone out there is you know if I'd waited to feel a hundred percent an addict or an mm-hmm. alcoholic I'd still be in it well I wouldn't be here now I'd be dead I know that I actually thought let me just try and all the right things felt wrong and the wrong things felt right because everything that's familiar is everything you've got to change
1: yeah and you know so Mm. you've got to
0: go against what you're feeling so the feelings aren't the facts of the situation and it's a hard one because your intuition is really important of course it is but when you're an active addiction all of that gets sort of you know it gets it gets pushed down so what's operating is your addiction is in full flight. Just the next whatever. So when you're listening to your head telling you, it's a really good idea to go to that in early recovery to go to that uh, huge reunion where everyone's going to be drinking, using drugs. You'll be fine. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like against it. You yeah. know, it was you know, I, and and I think the thing is, you know, the fear-based illness. I remember being in early recovery going to visit people I knew who were really lovely people and I was all of a sudden my palms were sweating and I was going why is that I was scared I'd never felt fear before because I'd always medicated it and you Mm -hmm. know and I think also from the moment I started an addictive process I stopped growing emotionally so I was a 29 year old woman with the emotions of a 12 13 year old because I didn't know how to live life so I had to learn that and it's really hard at the beginning So that's why I'd say to anybody who is struggling and anybody in early recovery, I always say it is painful. I'm not going to lie. It would be wrong to say it's not painful, but it's a, the the pain of addiction is a dirty, rotten pain, which carries on and on Mm. and on and and like a hamster wheel, but goes down. The pain of recovery, you, it's like a clean pain. You work through it. You, You know, it's, you work through it and you come through and things happen and you start feeling life on life's terms and, and feeling things in the present. And in recovery, it's not that you don't have pain anymore, but you live in the reality, unless you choose to then to pick up something. And it doesn't have to be a drink, it could be a behavior, you know, Mm. to change the way you feel.
1: I love that description of the spiral that you say, it's like, it's it's pain, but it's going upwards and out into something better instead of going downwards and just continuing and escalating. Yes. So now you are working a full time therapist with addictions and trauma.
0: Yeah, well, actually, yes. I've been, I was doing, I was in a, um, a place called Sanctuary Lodge with UCAT. They're a big, I worked there and then I worked at the Priory and I was working on the addiction program. And then I was trauma lead there and went and got trained in this amazing model. I was just, I started talking about the Peer Melody model, which is about you know developmental how we develop and how that affects our pat, you know patterns and okay. adulthood okay and yeah. so putting those things together and also i trained in dbt at dialectical behavior therapy and putting all of those things together is an incredible way forward i think for any individual actually i've been yeah. because everything i talk about i've applied to myself you know and then i've now at the moment i'm a Therapeutic lead for a domestic abuse charity, which was a totally different. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. But it, but it is and it isn't because yeah. it's so about how do you, how do you get in touch with that part of you that that needs to heal, and be in healthy relationships, and yeah. how do you really look at what's happening, learn from what's happening, not berate yourself, have compassion and kindness, and and be really loving to yourself, but also accept what's happening but change it yeah oh that's so so good you know it's and it and so I've been very blessed to be in this this totally different environment because I've been in from addiction addiction and trauma Hmm. and so now so I feel as if once again I'm evolving and I've been doing my private practice, and, and as I, I was saying to you just before, there's a a, a man called Nuno Albu- Albuquerque. He's in Portugal. I'm going to be doing some groups in Portugal on Zoom because the great, the only good thing that came out of COVID, and I'm, it was because COVID was such a difficult, difficult, awful time for everybody. Yeah, but the the, the one positive thing that came from having to work differently was I was able to then expand and you know I'm doing going to be doing groups in Portugal and um, which is amazing so yeah so I feel very blessed I am in it. I can feel I'm in a transition at the moment and I'm not sure where the next what's going to be the next this is leading me somewhere all these different models and you know the the post-induction trauma model therapy model that DBT, addiction, all of it, because I use it all around addiction and trauma. And the different places I work and the different things. I'm also been working for a gambling organization called Gordon Moody. All these different and changing pathways is the domestic abuse charity I work for. So all these different places and things I feel as if are sort of, you know, just taking me down the path. And it's just having to trust, because sometimes that can be scary you yeah. know when contracts end or funding's not there and things are com- you know things are coming up at the moment where i don't know where the next where i'm going totally depending on funding with certain things but then i have my private practice which i've been developing and and that's been exciting and that's yeah. been wonderful and uh, you know and i've been very blessed psychiatrists from the prior have been referring clients to me as well so there's there's a growth in one bit and then there's uncertainty in the other but i suppose that's life isn't it we don't have the only thing i'm certain of is right now i don't know what's going to happen in two seconds
1: no and and that's where the trust comes in that i feel you have and looks like i had it through life and it's like uh, also leaning back on your stories knowing that you you're always evolving and and it's moving you forwards and uh into another new exciting place and it's not judgment if one is better or worse it's just expanding and it's just uh, keep on going that's experiencing new things and developing and as you say with zoom and the internet and everything it's we are not so closed into one area you can go wild worldwide
0: absolutely Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, if anyone is listening now and thinking, "Oh, I have someone I want to talk to," Anita, or um, we will put a link to. Do you have a web page or?
0: I'm in the process. Yeah. Of, so we put of, it <laughs> later. <laughs> I'm in the process of doing a web page, but people yeah. can always contact me on my on my um, email. I will. I will put your email below. People can contact me my email. I'm absolutely fine about that. Yeah. Good. Um, I'm yeah. in the process of doing because the technical side of it. You see, because I'm. This is. I was saying to you before there's friends of mine who are really together focused and driven and they sort all that side out I tend to go with what I am feeling, and so the the admin side of things even though I'm very together with my clients and my yeah. you know every on, on the places where it has to be together but creating websites and doing I have really shied away from that I keep meaning to but I yeah. now know I need to do this. I need to drag myself yeah. into this century in the way that <laughs> I need to and do that, which I'm going to. So, yes.
1: So I know you, you said you uh, meditate a bit. Has, do you feel that has been uh, some help during your... Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I learned well. It was really funny when I was we about to go on tour with the Cherry Bombs. I learned transcendental meditation, and I remember at the time then there's just this is this is chose my addiction as well a little bit at the time because even though I'd learned to meditate, because I was always searching for something actually, Mm -hmm. yeah, and I was always searching, but I didn't know I was searching, and I didn't know I felt lacking on certain levels. Yeah, um, when I learned the transcendental meditation, I we got on the plane to fly to America, and they said the plane's delayed. We're going to give you free champagne. Well, I was going back to meditate. The meditation went out the window, I just took the <laughs> but I've got to say on tour, I did meditate because it is when you do it, it's like two to three hours sleep. I, yeah. I learned it for that initially, but I've always, I've always done it. I haven't done it always every day. I've got to yeah. be honest. I haven't always done it twice a day, but I've always meditated So like I meditated this morning
1: mm. and I've been
0: meditating a lot because my, my life changed again and instead of working one place five days I was three days and then doing private practice too you know doing different things it freed up a bit more time so I could instead of having to get up at every day a certain time I can get up a little bit later and I can sort of spend time doing a little bit of meditation so I do that and when I'm really tired and I'm really stressed that's always a time I don't want to do it but that's always a time I know I need to do it yeah that's so good (laughs) You know, it's
1: um, yeah. yeah. I love talking to you. I'm not going to take up all day for you, but I have three questions that I ask all my guests. So, what is the most positive thing you take with you from what you have been through? The most positive thing, or one positive doesn't have to be. Well, there's a few.
0: No, yeah. The most (laughs) I will is that I'm always I can be curious and I can turn the situation and look not be Pollyanna and go, everything's just great, you know, when it's not, but actually think, you know, sometimes my darkest times have been incredible turning points. Mm. And, you know, they've been like breakthroughs instead of breakdowns, you know, even though I have broken down, it's been a breakthrough to change. I think the greatest gift I've been given is to, I don't always like it, is to be able to accept myself for where I'm at, not where I want to be, to accept myself who I am, for what who I am today and to make decisions from that. Because there's things in in early recovery I'd want to do and I would almost go and want to drink again because I didn't have the foundation to do that or in my personality, it wasn't suited for certain things at that point. And I think the greatest gift I've been given is to be able to see something and accept it, even if I don't like it, but accept it and know I need to implement that to keep me healthy and sober and clean and, you know, alive, actually, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's, I, it's... I
1: totally love it. I think it's such a beautiful lesson. And uh, I love that you're so aware of it. Thank you.
0: Thank yeah, you. No, it's really
1: I mean, it's so important for everyone, not only if you have an addiction, but to actually accept where you are. And, Absolutely. and yeah. So do so. So and when do you feel most like yourself, at peace and relaxed?
0: You know, um, when I'm in that place, when I'm in that place of acceptance, I might be upset yeah. and I might be mm-hmm. really pissed off. I, I want to go and do something or something's not happening. Why is that not happening? Actually, it's probably not happening. But when I actually accept, yeah, for me it's all linked. When I actually accept and I can just go let go of it. Be in the now. How blessed are you to have for now? Mm -hmm. How blessed are you to have what you have? You know, I've got wonder my my family. I've got you know. um, How blessed I'm alive. (laughs) I'm you know the path I was on. I might not have been alive. And to get really get in touch with my gratitude, when I can be in that place, that's when I'm at most peace. If that it's it's not a place or a thing, it's Mm -hmm. a frame. It's a it's a state of mind for me.
1: Yeah, uh, again, love it because that's that's when we are at peace when we, we when we do accept. Um, yes. And so, what is the joy for you today? And if you were to put the color on it, what color would it be?
0: Ah, <laughs> what's the joy? I love feeling connected. Yeah. And I love my favorite colors. It's funny because I always loved yellow, and I thought I loved red at one point. But I love you, but actually, I love green. Oh. I'm so dro- My car. Yeah. I have, husband did bought me a a, a yellow a little Mazda years ago and I burst into tears it was the most beautiful she was called Tallulah she was a little Mazda MX-5 and I loved her but I changed my car and I've got a little green metallic green dark green um racing green mini called Esmeralda and I love I love the color green I'm drawn to and it's so interesting because when I was at school in my senior school and I had this teacher that was she didn't have great skills with with okay. people with certain people with with people who were very studious in a certain way she was great but she used to put red lines through my creativity and stuff anyway yeah I used to hate I thought I hated green for many years it's because of my school uniform yeah and the reason I hate it but I actually think probably my favorite color yeah. even though I love bright colors I'm very drawn to green I love silver as well actually mm. but I'm very drawn green yellow there's something very happy about yellow and childlike for me but green has got a depth to it which I feel is I don't know it's just feels really wholesome and and has substance and i just love the fact it feels really solid
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and also you always talk about the the heart energy it's pink and green
0: oh okay yeah
1: so you have it's like heart color in a way
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you.
1: What uh, is in your pipeline now? Is it uh, continuing uh, developing your um, own practice or, or are you continuing? Because I know you, you took up some mu- music as well. Will you
0: continue with that? Well, I, I came back to music again in 2012 and I started working with a beautiful Timo yeah. and also Dave Figana. And as everyone knows who knows that Timo. He tried, you know, for me, it's very tragic. He died this year. Yeah. And we had a wonderful creative process. And I still sing songs and melodies and lyrics into my phone. Yeah. Um, I haven't found anyone to work with because uh, I think it was like a grieving process for me as well. Around yeah, of course. Because I just loved working with him. But I would like to record. I'd like to do music. I feel I, like, you know, I really, that's still there for me. And one day I'm going to do an album. I don't know how or when but I would love to do that just to express me. Yeah. Um, and I, get, I would love to do some more music. I do love it. Yeah. I don't know how or when that's going to look because I'm not out doing it right now, but um, you know, I love performing and I do love creativity and it's a big, it's a big part of me. And so yeah. it was really nice to go back to, we used to sit in Timo's front room and there'd be Timo, Dave Schragarman and myself and my beautiful friend Annette, who was like my, she's like my sister. And she was doing backing vocals and we'd sit and we'd, create and we'd rehearse and it was great it was just lovely being together all doing it yeah. you know yeah. it's just amazing I mean I love performing as well don't get me wrong but it was just working with people that you're kind of like a pair of old slippers it wasn't it wasn't ego it was just oh it's just lovely yeah just creating and 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 being you know, it was just wonderful
1: taking the good parts of what uh, what you used to do, like as you say, the creative part. And
0: yeah, and also when we did the video that was fab. I loved doing that. It was you know Terry yeah. was doing it as well. Yeah. still my you know he's a really close friend, and it was just all of us together, and it was just fun to be creative. And of course, we had Liam Hooper, who was the director. He was fabulous, and that was a story. I must I just very quickly tell you there was sure. just a yeah this time. It was really amazing because I, I wanted to do music, obviously, and I was doing it. And then there was a recording and this lovely producer, Andy, did it. And then we went and recorded the three tracks and then I chose the single to do a video. And I didn't have the money. I mean, because obviously I was paying for things myself. I didn't have I wasn't earning money that I thought I could do that. Yeah. And then what was amazing this guy, Paul Hooper, had contacted me. He was a fan of the Cherry Bombs. And he'd contacted me ages ago and said about his son was going into directing or whatever. And he'd just come up. I think the British School of doing Direct. Anyway, I contracted. And in the end, Liam, his son, directed that video. But I didn't know Paul put a put £1,000 up. And so I was so touched when I found that out. Because yeah. he didn't tell me initially. I didn't know that. So we got together. There was Terry, Dave, me, Timo and Lynette and then there was Liam and his crew, a really talented lot of people, and he's in Los Angeles now, and they were, you know, these young, talented, lovely people, and we did, we spent two, three days doing this, the, the Give Me the Answer video, which was, oh we, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had such fun, and that's about my higher power, and it was so funny, because originally, Liam and me had a conversation, because it looks quite dark yeah. the video, and he was saying about this voodoo dollar, and I went, no, 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 this is about, this is about my higher power and mark oh who plays the guy in it originally i wanted that to be me it would be two two parts okay of me. but it was me that was sort of the part that was really sort of still caught up in everything and and then there's the other part give me the answer because always you're always going give me the answer give me the answer give me the answer i need to know now i need to know now and so it was and then there was the healthy part and so mark represented my addict and so then you know at the end i know they did a little pretend alligator ate him <laughs> but it was about that and in the video it's a bit when he it goes into this sort of like fluorescent colors and then when he gives me the the photograph with him at that point it's like I just say that no I, I don't want to hurt you just go and mm. and so I mean does get eaten at the end by an alligator on the video but it was about addiction but I couldn't afford to do a video with all the effects that that would take so he represented you know so sobriety and the illness so I miss doing that I've got to Mm. be honest I do love the book it just I don't know where where do I start with all of that right Mm. now you know because it's about financing myself Mm. and stuff and it's you know and and especially at the moment with all the crisis of finances and stuff in the world Mm. you know if I had to But you know
1: looking at your your uh, path in life something will fall down for you.
0: I think if it's meant to be, it will be. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So who knows? I'm quite, you know, I'm open to whatever's the next who knows.
1: So Anita, I'm really this has been such a pleasure
0: talking to you. And oh, I've been a so pleasure happy that to you joined too. and uh, thank you so much. <laughs> oh thank you Maris it's beautiful beautiful to see i always loved your energy when i met you you've got such a wonderful wonderful energy
1: oh thank and, you
0: and, and you're doing amazing things so it's it's just so lovely well, hopefully it won't be that we'll see each other more than the next god how many years yes <laughs> <it seems. laughs> and i can't even think
1: because then you suddenly realize is it like not 10 but i think eight or something it's something and, yeah. crazy yeah it really
0: is So it's like, wow, how how old am I? (laughs) I know, that's the thing. That's that's true. So thank you so much for joining. Oh, thank you, Marit. Gorgeous to see you. Thank you for asking me.
1: Okay, so now it's time to do some meditation jam. So if you like you can uh, pause and uh, stretch your legs before you continue with this meditation. Right now we are going into meditation that is helping us to clear our emotions, our thoughts, uh, ground your body and open yourself up to that beautiful, lovely, universal connected heart chakra or your heart wisdom, to use that as your guide moving forward. So I hope you will enjoy this meditation and let's start. So please get seated with your back straight and your palms up or if you're lying down your palms up. Close your eyes and we start by taking three deep breaths. Imagine that you are standing high up upon a cliff with a beautiful water beneath you, and it's a beautiful day, but there is a strong wind. That is moving through and around you. You can see the water is shimmering from the sun and in movement with the current with the waves, but even though there is all this movement going on around you, you are feeling peaceful, steady just as the cliff that you are standing upon. Feeling one with Mother Earth, feel her strength moving through you, holding you in that peaceful way that can make you relax and let go. even though there is a swirl of wind going through you and around you I just let your body be held by Mother Earth Be stilled by a presence and all you have to do is stand here and accept it into your body, into your mind. If you have a hard time letting go of thoughts, the day, plans, then ask this wind to take it with it as it moves through you to release you from any thoughts on repeat. from any old beliefs. Just allow it to be swept away, effortless. Maybe you see or hear or sense it as it moves through you. And if nothing don't worry As by you being here listening to this, your energy is doing the work for you so you can just relax, sit back and keep on following the journey. And it's a beautiful wind that is sweeping away what's no longer for you. And we're just staying here. Allowing this to move through us and we send it into our future to clear our path to clear our mind And allow it to be open and free to trust the current of life that is moving through us just like the water beneath us. And if you were to be in the water right now trying to swim against the current that would be a struggle but if you just let go and allow it to take you you can enjoy the ride Floating and soaking up the sun. As you are being swept away by rapid moving water after you have cleared your mind and all you have to do now is relax and enjoy the ride know that you will get to a place that is perfect for you and as you are floating here in the water Get the opportunity to clear your emotions, to let go of any lingering emotions that are holding you back, and it could be emotions you know about or unconscious emotions. Just allow this water to clear it for you at this point, making you feel lighter, freer And all you have to do is allow this current to move you and clear your emotions. The ones that are no longer working but hindering you in your growth and life. And we take a deep breath. Feel your body relax even more. And as you are floating here in the water. The sun is shining down upon you, around you, making a beautiful shimmer that is moving through the water and you. is moving to your heart chakra the center of your chest as a ray of light expanding and Deepening your connection to your beautiful inner self, to your heart and with your cleared mind and cleared emotions. There is a beautiful connection and communication coming through, moving through your entire body, starting at your heart chakra as an infinite wise guide. that you can lean on, trust and enjoy life together with This guide your inner beautiful light is steering you to land to a beautiful shore where you can easily walk up on maybe you see it as a beach or harbor or rocks, let whatever comes to you be the right thing at this moment. And right now this is the perfect place for you to rest to take in where you are in life, who you are and just accept this beautiful being that you are. Feel it in your whole body. Accept it in your mind and allow yourself to feel this beautiful universal love that is moving through you through your heart chakra and out into your body allow yourself to feel it for yourself with total acceptance and love without judgment or control it is just beautiful flow of energy of yourself. Now we take a deep breath And if you like you can set your intention to keep this going. Throughout your day, your week, your month and you can come back and reconnect as often as you like and we start to move back into our body into the place where you started. And we give thanks to Mother Earth and Father Universe and the High Self for joining us today. And you can start to come fully back into your body. Start to move your hands, your feet, your neck. Maybe clap your hands and stamp your feet. And I thank you for listening. Satnam. So, warm welcome back from that. Yeah, I would say both relaxing igniting and uplifting in a journey. I had such a beautiful vision of us standing up there on this beautiful cliff. And it wasn't a storm around us, but it was like this, yeah, very windy. (laughs) But in a way, a soft, nice wind. And as always, if you fall asleep, if you think about something else, or if you don't get any pictures or anything, it's totally fine because just by you being here, Listening to this, your energy is doing the work for you. So the words are more for our mind to have something to lean into and also to get a little bit of inclination of what the energy is up to. And so today I felt it was about... First to clear our thoughts, our emotions or first of all we grounded with uh, earth and then we cleared and then it was this beautiful ignition of our hearts to trust all that comes. When we are clearing our emotions, when we are clearing our mind, it's almost like we start at a new platform and that can sometimes feel It can feel scary, it can feel exciting but it can also feel confusing. So it's like we really don't know which way to turn because we are so used to doing certain things or thinking in a certain way and suddenly we start to have new emotions, we have new ideas or new things that excites us or where we want to go or or do and that can be... It's sometimes uh, very confusing because we don't recognize ourselves. Now that we are shifting into this beautiful energy that is here, there will be moments of confusion. But if we allow ourselves to just lean back into our beautiful, truly infinite wise hearts that are guiding us, then it will take us to our spot where we can relax and flow with the current of life. So I felt it was a truly beautiful energy that we tapped into, both in the ways of clearing but also accepting ourselves, accepting our light, our connection with the universe and trust it to guide us. So I'm really excited to see how this will show up. And if you followed me before, you know that sometimes the transformation comes quick and sometimes it might take a bit longer time, but that's why I also always encourage you to write down any insights or your journey after this, because then that gives your mind something to, um, it's like an evidence for your mind that, okay, yeah, we did that. And then it may be is visible or noticeable in uh, six months time and then it's, it's really good to have this evidence <laughs> in a way that that was what we were working then with then and now it's actually happened. Uh, so if you had anything like this then please write it down and uh, if you have any questions, comments or you want to share your journey then please go ahead and you can do it publicly or you can send me a DM. And I also hope that you enjoyed today's talk with Anita Kjellemar, I know I did and what a power woman, she is so creative and so filled with passion, I love, really love talking to her and hear her story, how she, even if she struggled on the way, it felt like this current is moving her, current of life is moving her and she is open to it and sure we take detours on our way at times and we do things that maybe we shouldn't or that is not always healthy for the body but when we get back into it, when we get back into the flow of life guided from the heart then that is also a wisdom and like she is doing, sharing her wisdom and helping others who are stuck so beautiful and I'm really happy to be able to share our talk with you all. So I thank you for listening and have a beautiful time until the next time. Satnam, You have been listening to Meditation Jam with Maria Rinne and I am so grateful that you have joined today with your energy. If you liked it, please remember to subscribe, hit the like button and leave a review if there was something specific that you enjoyed. And you will find more links in the text below from my guests and also to my social media if you like to follow me there. So, thank you again for joining, and I hope you have a beautiful day, week, and month. Satnam!